I, uh, Steve called me this week and asked me if I had something for uh, the Sanctity of Life week, and I had a, a little bit of it, and man, I just, I just didn't feel like, uh, I just didn't feel like this Sunday was, was a good Sunday for that. I just, I hate to, hate to, I just hate to even think about it. Don't you hate to think about it? Just that the wickedness that we live in, that that's even an option. So I, uh, I left everything I had for it at home. He covered the statistics there and had something neat that Keith gave me a while back, and I just didn't feel like just, you know, just hate it, just hate it. But I, on a good note, I will say this. Um, uh, yes, uh, Friday was uh, the March uh, in many cities around the nation, and our president was, I, I was shocked by this. Anybody hear that statistic that our president was the first seated president to ever go to one of those and speak? First one, first, first one in uh, 45 years to, uh, to go to one of those rallies and speak. Um, I'll also that, say this, he's appointed one Supreme Court judge that is entirely against abortion. And uh, my... Is it bad to pray that he appoints another one soon? <laughs> I pray that he appoints another one or two soon. Um, so that, uh, that could change this whole deal. Um, my favorite person there in Columbus has done something good for uh, abortion in, in Ohio. Uh, he, is, he signed a bill uh, last year that made it uh, not, no longer an option to have an elected abortion for uh, uh, Down syndrome in the state of Ohio. I don't know if you know that. That wasn't talked about much when that happened. Um, also, uh, uh, y- y- you know, the, the marches that have been going on around the country, the, the pink hats, um, they can say what that is about, but that's just, that's about this issue that, that we're looking at this Sunday. That, that's all that issue is. The feminism, the modern feminist movement, that's all that is, is, is basically about killing babies. So uh, let's not be sidelined by that and keep that. Uh, keep that in the forefront. Um, so anyway, um, you know, I'm I'm glad we, you know, I'm glad I'm glad we have a savior. Aren't you glad we have a savior? Aren't you Aren't you glad we can be forgiven? Uh, aren't you glad that we have eyes and wisdom to see truth through light? And uh, aren't you glad we have a Bible? Let's get Let's get happy about that this morning. You know, we're we're on the winning side. We're we're not, you know, the world may look dark and glim and and on the outside, but we we have Jesus Christ, and and we know that the the battle will be won. And there's nothing new under the sun. We've got a Bible that talks about babies being killed all the way back in the beginning. I mean, there's there's nothing new. Um, it shouldn't it shouldn't ever cease to bother us or ever cease to shock us. Um, but anyway, let's uh, let's look at this. Second Peter. Chapter, I said Second Peter, didn't I? Second Peter, chapter number one. Um, we looked at uh, several verses last week, and uh, we're, we're going to br- brush through them again this week. Uh, I couldn't put this, these few verses in one message, or we'd have been here till 1.30 last week. So, uh, or if you're lucky enough to be here this week, we'd have been here till 1.30 today. So we, we don't have time to do that. I'm hungry already. Uh, I didn't, my, my wife's away out of town, so I didn't get breakfast this morning. So I'm already looking forward to lunch, and uh, we're going to kind of go back to uh, verse number five and just, just review real quick. 
Um, and you know, I, I, I really even thought about going back to First Peter this week, uh, some things that uh, I wish we'd have covered a little more thorough. So if we review longer than I intended, um, so be it, I guess, right? I know last week the weather was cold and there was a lot of people that were sick. And um, for those of us uh, that were here, we could always use it twice. And I'm not going to preach the same message again, but I, I feel like this is such an important segment that Peter is getting at here. I, I don't want us to miss it. And um, I, I know that this has helped me in the past. I've got underlined, and, and I went back and even looked at an old Bible I had, and it was underlined and highlighted with a yellow marker and had notes in the column. So uh, this, is, this, is, this is important stuff. This, this is the type of stuff that will, that will change your outlook on life. How, how many of us could stand for that? Stand for a change in the outlook on life? Yeah, absolutely. This, this what, we're, what we talked about last week and today, now, now today we're going to focus more on the what if we don't. <laughs> last week we looked at the what, why we should, and this week we're going to look at what if we don't. Um, but before we do that, I want to look at, again at the why we should, because this, this is what differentiates us between the rest of the world. This, this is the difference between those that value life and those that don't. This is the difference between saved and lost. This is the difference of regenerated folks and dead folks. This is the difference between those of us that have hope and have life and those of us that don't have hope and have life. This, this is what is the difference between that should just make us happy about life. Wouldn't you just like to be happy about life? Sometimes I feel like we're just not happy enough about life. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think that's our spirituality coming through. I think that's the flesh shining through. And, and you know, I purposely didn't put that message together because I just didn't, I just didn't want to be not happy today. I, I, I just like to be happy. Anybody else like to be happy? Uh, we used to have a sticker on our old van that said, happy, happy, happy. And, and that was when we had three kids. I guess we'd have to add a couple more happies to that now. And <laughs> so, uh, and, and that was why I got that for back in the day. And that was two kids ago. Uh, but happy, I, 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 I want to be happy. I want to be happy in life. And um, I, th I know. I don't think. I almost said I think. I know. This is the key here in verse number five through wherever we stop today. So let's look at verse number five, uh, real quick, and then we'll pray. And besides this giving all diligence. And if you were here last week, I read an email that I just happenstance coincidentally got uh, on basically the topic of diligence. And diligence goes farther than just doing your best. You know, so I think sometimes we, we tell our kids and we tell our, each other, just do your best. And I think there was an old saying that do your best and hope your best is best enough. But it goes beyond even just doing your best. It's basically if you focus on the task at hand, if you focus and put all your effort on the task at hand, then you will inevitably do your best. And I think sometimes we focus so much on the task and not so much the attitude and not so much the route, but it's basically just diligence. Be diligent. Try, not, not even try your best, absolutely do your best. <clears throat> so give, uh, uh, and besides this, give all diligence, add to your faith, virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, 
and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness charity. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us this morning. Lord, we're so glad to come to your house this morning. Lord, uh, there, there may have been some of us that woke up this morning and didn't feel like coming, but Lord, we're glad we're here. And Lord, I just pray that you would uh, use your word this morning to fill us, uh, Lord, to bless us, to encourage us, and Lord, just to, that your will would be done. And if there's someone here this morning that's lost, I pray they wouldn't leave that way. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would guide and direct the teachers that are in the back and, and Lord, the ones that are downstairs. And I just pray that uh, uh, you would move and work in this place in a special way today. Lord, as Dad mentioned, I pray that you would be with those that couldn't be here this morning and just watch over and protect us. Lord, we thank you just for everything. Lord, we thank you for your grace, your mercy, for your understanding, Lord, for your long-suffering. We just pray that you'd guide us and direct us this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Peter here has given us a list through the Holy Ghost of things that we're supposed to do. This is Christendom. This is Christianity. This is what, this is what we should be about. Um, and I brought my, my list of definitions uh, this week. And uh, we'll just go over these real quick. So as a Christian, as a believer, not just a believer, you know, I think we kind of belittle we kind of put i don't know if we i don't know what we do with that term believer you ought to be more than a believer shouldn't we we ought to be a doer we ought to be a doer of jesus christ so as a doer of christendom uh these things should come to us these are these are gifts from the holy ghost and remember a couple weeks ago uh, peter prayed that grace and peace would be multiplied to us that's something that happens pretty fast, isn't it? Well, now we get to this list. This is our mathematical equation we've been looking at. We get to this list, and these things are added to us. Boy, addition goes a little slower. Uh, yeah, just look at your bank account. Addition, like, oh, are we ever going to get there? Seems like we add a little bit, and then we subtract more, and then we add a little bit. And we Somebody subtracted twice this month. What, what's going on? Uh, so we, but, but this is our responsibility. This is our part of the equation. God is multiplying grace and peace to us, and God asks us to add these things. Virtue. What is virtue? It's morality. It's our behavior. And, and behavior goes far beyond the outward. Behavior begins in the heart. So God tells us to add to our faith virtue. And then this, I, I think this is so underestimated, knowledge. Add to your faith virtue and add to your virtue knowledge. Knowledge of what? What God's will is. That's what we're supposed to add to. What, what is God's will? The only way to know God's will is to know God. Am I right? That, that is the only way to know what God's will is to know God. My Bible has, uh, let me see here, 1,500, 1,540, I think. They're all sticking together. 1,546 pages of what God wants. Yours might have, maybe you got one of them large print. You got like 3,000 pages. <laughs> but my skinny little print, regular reading Bible, and, 
and uh, I'm, I'm getting close to 40, so I'll probably have to swap out someday. <clears throat> I've noticed my sister's kind of doing this already. She's a lot older than me, but it kind of gives me a little bit of what's to come. <clears throat> but I, I've got 1,500 and some pages of what God wants. And the only way to know what He wants is to read those 1,500 and some odd pages. Isn't that interesting? Well, down at the Welcome Center, there is two pieces of paper. One says January on it, one says February on it, and it's a Bible reading calendar. Man, it's still is it still January? It's still January. If you haven't started yet, you could get caught up. You could get caught up right before your nap this afternoon. You could. If you're a quick reader, you could get caught up before your nap this afternoon. And if you are like me and you can't ever remember to keep the calendar hand, handy, schedule handy, just read. <laughs> you don't have to follow a calendar. Just read. Just read it. I'm actually ahead. <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm, I'm ahead this year. So just sit down and read. Just get, just get caught up in it. Don't say, well, okay, i got to read my two chapters here. And No, just start reading. You'd be amazed at how much Bible you could read in an afternoon. It is absolutely amazing. Maybe that would be a good challenge. How many chapters you can read this afternoon? Would that, would that be a good challenge? Yes, there it is. That, that would be a good challenge. Now, I've got a stupid book other than the Bible to read this afternoon, so I can't participate because I didn't get... <laughs> what's the giggle? <laughs> because I didn't get all of it read yesterday. Because... <clears throat> Well, anyway, <laughs> we had a busy day yesterday. Uh, but think about that. Just see how much you can get read this afternoon. And I bet you could get caught up. Couldn't I, Keith? Get caught up pretty quick this afternoon. It's not too late. It's still January. And if you will do that, hey, be straight on parts that you're like, what? Here's who begot who. Just get past that. Don't let that stumble you up. Don't let that trip you. It, it, this too shall pass. That's what I'm looking at those, at those chapters. This too shall pass. <laughs> or who's that guy's name? What does that matter? Just make them up. It doesn't matter. Just make them up. It, God doesn't care if you make their names up. Nickname them. I nickname people in the Bible all the time. It doesn't matter. Just read the Bible. Do, do you know how many Christians, I, I forget the statistic. I looked it up a long time ago. 89%, I, I believe it's 89% of Christians have never read the Bible all the way through. I think that's the statistic. Eight, almost, almost all, <laughs> basically, almost all Christians have never read their Bible all the way through. Almost all. Hey, this would be a great year to read your Bible all the way through. Do you, do you know what you will glean from reading your Bible all the way through? 1,546 pages of wisdom for one. You'll discover what God's will is. You'll know what he wants and what he doesn't want. Just by that, what knowledge. And you'll be able to do that. You'll say, virtue, working on that. Knowledge, I'm getting there. Just by reading your Bible. Just by reading the book. Um, I was reminded of a man in China... Uh, thinking about just where we get wisdom from, a man in China was imprisoned 
Uh, I'm sure I got the dates wrong. I'm making these up, but I'm pretty close. Let's say 1999. Was imprisoned in China for witnessing to someone about Jesus Christ. That's a no-no in China. Imprisoned. Imprisoned in China. Uh, accused of being an American spy. In 2000, let's say five. He's been in solitary confinement. 2005. He finally gains a little freedom from the warden of the prison and he's given a task to go out and collect firewood. So what he would what he did was he would work as fast, twice as hard, and stock up enough firewood so that he could go to his house, go to his home, and read his Bible. Isn't that amazing? that his one thought while he was in prison was that he wished he had read his Bible more so that the verses that he had in his, in his mind would have been in his heart and he could recall them better. So he did that for a couple years and then finally he thought, I'm going to take a Bible to prison. I'm, I'm taking it with me. Can you imagine what his wife felt like? I thought you were coming to see me, coming to read the Bible. So 2006, he takes the Bible to prison with him. A couple months later, guess what? He got caught with it, with his Bible in prison. He's still locked up today. But over that year, or actually, I'm sorry, he's, he's not locked up today. But over that year that he had gone home just to read his Bible and then snuck it back to prison for a few months, those verses made it from his mind to his heart. And I, I, I think about that and I think, hmm, American Christians are pretty soft, aren't we? I bet I've got, I don't know how many Bibles i got at home, seven or eight. Got two different apps on my phone, maybe three. They're everywhere. If I was locked up in prison, what would be my only thought? And if I wasn't allowed to have a Bible? Hmm. So add to our faith, virtue. Add to our virtue, knowledge. And to our knowledge, temperance, that's, that's self-control. What, what was Jesus just talking about in Matthew? Hey, when you fast. He didn't say if or it'd be a good idea. He said, no, when you, when you fast. Why, why, do, why, why are we supposed to fast? Self-control. It's not taught in our society today. Uh, add to our temperance, patience. We skipped over that one last week. I can't remember why. Oh, probably because I have a problem with that. What is patience? Uh, it's self-restraint. It, it's not flying off of the gun. It's, it's not throwing a temper tantrum. It is calm. Calm. And then add to our patience, godliness. What, what is godliness? It's closeness to God, basically. And, and the only way that we can gain and gather godliness is through the knowledge of God and through His will and through reading His book. Not what I say. We, we, can only get, we can only gain godliness from God because it's not natural for man to be godly. We're, we're flesh. We're, we're looked upon as worldly. So the way we can tell godliness is the opposite of worldliness. And to godliness, oh, I like this, brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness. I wonder what, I wonder what that is. Uh, listening to a guy this week, I, I listened to a lot of preaching this week. I listened to a guy, 
he's kind of a, a popular preacher in the country right now, but he's going through some issues. And he was talking, I'm not sure when it was. I don't know if this was a current message or whenever it was. But he was talking to his church and he said this. He said, we've been, he said, as Christians, we've been sold a bill of raw goods, I believe is how he put it. He said, because we've been told that we're to love everyone. And I thought, hold on, preacher, we are supposed to love everyone. What, what are you getting at? And he said, we are to love everyone. He said, but this. And, and he's talking to his church and he said, we are to love those in this room more than we love anybody else. And I'm listening to this guy, and I'm like, I don't know, that's kind of, I mean, I don't know, is, is that true? And he went on to this message, and he, and he explained himself a little bit more, and he pulled up some, some verses. I guess I should have copied them down and preached the message, I guess. <clears throat> but it showed us how that until we love the people in this room, we can't love the lost. And I thought, well, that's, that's, a, that's a pretty good statement. And then he went on to say that until we love those that are in this room, why would the lost want to come in to what we don't have? Isn't that good? Think about that. And until we love the people in this room, how can we minister to people if we don't love people? That's, that's pretty good. Because if we don't love people, basically what does that say? We don't care about people. What is brotherly kindness? That's being kind one to another. Hey, how did Jesus say that people will know that you're my disciples? He didn't say, people will know you're my disciples if you go to church every week. That's not what he said. He didn't say, hey, people will know that you're my disciples if you dress right, spit white. <laughs> He didn't say that people will know you're my disciples if you listen to K-Love 24-7 and have the bumper sticker to go along with it. He didn't say people will know you're my disciples if you get the fish silhouette and put it on the paint on the car, not the chrome, but the paint. He didn't say that. He said they'll know you're my disciples if you love one another. That's what we need in churches nowadays, isn't it? That's what Christianity needs, is us loving one another. That's the key. That's, that's the secret. And a brotherly kindness, charity. We've preached on charity several times, but charity is this. It's love and action. That's what charity is. Charity is love and action. Hey, if, if you don't love your spouse with charity... How will they ever know? <laughs> it kind of reminds me of that old joke when, when the, the, the woman says, I'm leaving you. He says, why? He said, because you don't ever tell me you love me anymore. He said, I told you when we got married, if I change my mind, I'll let you know. <laughs> That's not the recipe for a healthy relationship. <clears throat> no, charity is how we ought to love not only our spouses, but one another. What is charity? It's love in action. It's love in action. You know, we think a charity is dropping money in a basket or putting money in a red pot at Christmas time, or giving to the Red Cross, or, or whatever that is. And that, that's true. That's, lo that's, that's, that's love in action. But hey, love in action is more. Love in action could be just a phone call. Lo love in action could be a text. Love in action could be a, a letter. Love in action could be a, hey, I, I see you need this, and just show up 
that, that's, that's love in action. You know what? I, I've experienced some of that from, from you folks. That's charity. That, that is love in action. And love in action means so much more than just a smile. <laughs> you know, fake people can smile. <laughs> I, I've seen lost people that will smile. <clears throat> so it's charity. It's, it's love in action. Now here's where we get to this week's now. That was, that was all in review. Verse number 8. For if abound, man, if you underline in your Bible or, or if, you, if you don't think that that's heresy, I do it mine. <laughs> that, would be a, that would be a good word to underline, abound. Hey, Peter didn't just say, I, I want you to do these things. No, I, I want this to abound. What does abound? Abounding is like it's in your face. Is that saying still hip? It's in your face. It, it abounds. It's the first thing that you see. It must not be the teenage girls are giggling at me. But abounding is, is its forefront. It's right there. It jumps out at you. It, it's what you are. It's what you are. Hey, you ought to be virtue. You ought to be knowledge. You ought to be temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and charity. That ought to jump out at people. That ought to be in your face. That's abounding. He says these things ought to be in you and abound. And they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful. I, I, I do not want that in my life. I've got five kids, it's obvious. No, it means more than just children. It, it means everything you do. It, it means that <clears throat> we finished up. Sometimes my wife will critique my messages. Some not usually good. She'll usually fill in the spaces, and she normally says, I wish you'd expounded on that more. I'm like, I'm always in a hurry. I feel like we don't have time. She said, do you, do you know what diligence is? And I said, no, what? She said, I leaned over to Brooke, and I said, what did she tell you, Brooke? Do you remember? <laughs> she said, that is the recipe for success. I said, really? She said, yeah, I wrote down success in my Bible that everything that you said about diligence is success. What do we think of as success? We think of fruitfulness, don't we? That, that's, that's a good characteristic of success. It's fruitful. Hey, be diligent. Be successful. Um, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If, if I'm successful, if I'm fruitful in anything, that, that's what I want it to be in. I want it to be in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why is that? Because that's where grace comes from. That's where peace comes from. Through knowing Him and knowing how He works, that's how I can have grace and peace in my life. All I have to do is add these things to it. And if I add these things to it, then that will abound. Look at this, <clears throat> verse number 9. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, kind of interesting. This came up a couple times yesterday. I don't. I don't know why. Just random stuff. I was watching some videos. Uh, some guys were talking about thermal, thermal night vision optics. That sounds like a fun study. That it. And. 
They now have a new product out on the market, which is this one I'm looking at right now. Most of your thermal optics are really expensive and you just have, uh, I don't, I'm trying not to bore you, but you just have one eye and you put your optics on and, and you, uh, it's for shooting coyotes basically, <laughs> going out in the dark and shooting coyotes. Well now they come out with this new one that has two. And uh, the guy said, yeah, so that you can walk all the way back to the truck blind <laughs> because it puts such light. And then when, you, when you're done, you shoot them, you just stand there and you're like, I can't see a stinking thing. <clears throat> Has anybody ever experienced anything like that? You walk. Do you know why pirates wore eye patches? There you go. They didn't have an eye poked out. They would wear an eye patch on one eye so that they would be out in the sun, on the sea, on the ocean, and if the captain said, hey, run down and get a whatever, they would take that eye patch when they were down below decks and they would switch it over to this eye and they could see perfectly fine below decks. That's why they wore eye patches. Or you learned something today, at least some bit of knowledge. <laughs> hey, it, it takes a little bit of time for your eyes to adjust, doesn't it? Yeah. 45, man. 45 minutes, really? I, wow, 40, I'd never, I'd never guess that. That is a long time. I, I know sometimes if I walk in, like walk in the uh, from outside, like yesterday, a sunny, bright day with the sun, snow shining and stuff, and I'm working on a truck and I raise the hood and I look in there and I'm like, so I go like this for, <laughs> I probably look stupid, not 45 minutes, gosh, <laughs> no wonder it doesn't work all that well. But I stand there and hold my eyes closed and then I open them and I can actually see what I'm working on. I'm going to get an eye patch, I guess. <clears throat> but, uh, it, hey, sometimes, I didn't know it was 45 minutes. Wow. <clears throat> that, that's quite a while. It takes that long for your eyes to open and adjust. It's the same way for us Christians. It takes some time. It, some, it takes longer than 45 minutes for us to see what God's doing. It does. It takes a while for us to open our eyes and to adjust and see what God's doing. Why do I bring that up? Uh, I was talking to somebody a couple weeks ago, and I said this. I said, I, I am bothered as a pastor because I feel like I, I feel like I don't do a good enough job. Now, I don't say this for accolades or whatever. Because I feel like I have done a poor job at this. Warning people. Warning you people. Warning Christians. New Christians. That be sober, be vigilant for your adversary the devil. As a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. New Christians that don't have their eyes open are blind to that. They, they don't see that. People don't see that. Sometimes, a lot of times, I don't see that in my own life. I can see it in other people's life, sometimes just fine. In my own life, sometimes I get to the end of the story and I'm like, whoa, I can't believe I didn't see that. Why? Because I was blinded by it. I was blinded by it. Do you, do you know that tactics that... Um, military uses and police use when they're raiding a house if the bad guy's in the house do you, do you know what they use 
there's, there's one neat little trick that they use. It's called a flash bomb. Anybody need to use flash bombs? And what that flash bomb does, they'll kick open the door, they'll throw that thing in there, and it goes boom, and it puts off a big flash, temporarily blinds them that they can't see what's going on. The, the noise of it gets their sensories like going, what in the world is that danger? So it goes from them to be an attack to a retreat mode, kicks in that flight instinct, and the, the flash off of that thing goes off, and once the flash, it disorients them, and then they'll come into the room with flashlights on their rifles, and do you know what those flashlights are doing? Blinking. And the person in the room is so disoriented that they're subdued just like that. Do you know, do you know that Satan uses that same tactic on us? He will use our blindness to his advantage. <clears throat> Look at this again. Verse number 9, but he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off. I find myself in that situation oftentimes. I can see what's going on, but I'm so short-sighted distance-wise that I can't see farther than the nose on my face. Anybody ever heard somebody say that? I couldn't see this farther than the nose on my face. And I think what it is is that I get so self-focused and so self-centered on hmm, self <laughs> that I can't see anything else going on around me. And I get distracted by myself. And when we get distracted by ourselves, it puts us in a selfish position, doesn't it? And we can't see what's going on with anybody else in our life. We get distracted by self. We get blinded and we can't see far off. Uh, Reading this and studying this this week, I don't think that's what God wants for our life. I don't think He wants us to be blind. I think He wants us to see far off. I think He wants us to see, what, what is it? Oh, it's called the bigger picture. The bigger picture. There's an old saying that <clears throat> this kid was watching his mom nip this. Uh, oh, gosh, I wish I'd got my terminologies better. What's those things you put in the round thing, <laughs> the wood round crochet cross stitch this kid was watching his mom he was laying on the laying on the floor and she was doing the cross stitch thing and he was thinking to himself man that's an ugly mess <laughs> that is, i don't know what she's doing but that's an ugly mess and so the kid gets up and goes and plays and come back a little bit later and lays on the floor and he's looking you know mom's doing the cross stitch in the round wooden ring he's thinking man that's an ugly mess Comes back a couple hours later and says, I, I, don't, I think you're doing it wrong. She says, what do you mean? And she turned it around and it was a beautiful barn scene. You ever thought about that? We just see it from one side. But on the other side, once we get past that, it's just beautiful. She knew exactly what she was doing. You know, sometimes I look at my life and I think that, like, oh, this is going, to, this is a train wreck. This is going bad. This is what in the world, what, what in the world, I think I preached a message, what is going on? God, what are you doing? But from his side of things, it's going perfect. It's going exactly how he had it planned. Hey, and when we realize that, what is that? That's knowledge. Hey, when we have that knowledge, what is that? That's peace. That's grace. When we understand that he is in control, that's a thing of beauty. Look at this. Continue on with this verse. I think this is a problem here. And hath forgotten that he was purged 
from his old sins. Do you know, I think that is the problem with fruitfulness in most Christians. We get hung up on our old sins too much, don't we? Does anybody else have that problem? Am I the only one that ever has that problem? Where guilt comes into my life and what have you done? Look where you've messed up and look at this and look how can God use you? You're this, you're that. Remember where, (laughs) this is why it's so important. If you just read your Bible till March (laughs) and then give up, do you know what you will gain between January and March reading your Bible? You will look at everybody in the Bible and you'll do this. You'll say, and I ain't half bad compared to him. <laughs> hey, all that preacher ever talks about is Abraham, but golly, he was ready to give his wife up to, the, you know, to this guy. And he was ready to give his wife up to that guy. What a sorry sissy. I'm doing pretty good. Hey, I'm not, I'm not kidding. If you just read till March, you'll feel better about yourself. Hey, the Bible is full of men and women that are constant mess-ups. Everybody that we talk about in the Bible, they're, they're just a bunch of mess-ups. Every one of them. Absolutely every one of them. There's only about three guys in the Bible and a couple ladies that nothing can be ill said of them. Isn't that amazing? That all the people... I got a book at home that's about that thick, and it has every name that's mentioned in the Bible and what their names mean and who they are and where they're found. And it, it's, it's almost as thick as my Bible. Hey, all them people mess up. All them people are sinful. All them people are wicked. Do you know what Peter's saying? Get over it. (laughs) Get over it. Forget about your past. That sin was purged from you. Get on with it. Hey, you have to come to a point in your Christian walk to where you do this. Who cares what my friends know about me? Who cares what my friends used to think about me? You have to get off. You have to get off of that and get on track with the Lord. Look at this. Let's, let's read that again. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off. What's these things? Virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherhood, kindness, charity. And hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give... Oh, there it is again. Diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things... Ye shall never fall. I wanted to take this verse and spend a whole week on it, but but that's not going to happen. So I want want to give it to you quick like this. Self-examine yourself and do this. Am I convicted of my sin? I want you to think about that just right now. Am I convicted of my sin? I see the wheels turning. If you're convicted of your sin, that is a very good sign. That is a very good sign. Wherefore, rather, brethren, give diligence and make your calling and election sure. What is your calling and election? your salvation it's your salvation but something arose to me this week studying and thinking about this verse that if we have to make it sure if we have to be decisive on it 
what's on the other hand of that? That there are some people that aren't sure. There are some people that don't have and are calling for sure. You know, we live, this is 2018, and my opinion of modern-day Christianity is that it's better than it was in the 1500s, the Dark Ages, but it's still a, a train wreck mess because man has gotten their opinion in it. And it's because of preachers, just like myself probably even included, to where we step outside the bounds of Scripture and we confuse people. We confuse the Word of God. We make it more complicated than it has to be. But sometimes we make it even too kindergartenish. We take the depth and the severity of Scripture out of the equation, and we just say, hey, just believe in Jesus and you'll be okay. Do you know what, hey, just believing in Jesus and be okay is? Do you know what that gets you? That gets you false profession. And I think a majority of the problem with modern-day Christianity is the churches are full of false professors. They don't have the knowledge of God. They've not added to their knowledge brotherly kindness and charity and patience and temperance. They haven't added all these things because Peter's going down through this list and telling us what to add to our faith. And if we continue to add all of this stuff to our faith, hey, we'll have surety about our salvation. I've used this verse before to myself about my calling to preach. That's something you want to be sure about. <laughs> it is something you want to be very sure about because you will be attacked the entire way you're making sure about it. It's tough. It's a tough road. It's not fun. You want to make sure that you're bringing your family into something that God wants you to do. Trust me, you, you want to make sure of that. But hey, that same occasion goes for each and every one of us with our salvation. We need to make sure it's pure. We need to make sure it's real. We need to make sure it's not something that we just woke up and said, hmm, boy, that'd be nice. We'll go to church and, and then we'll just go to church for 30 years and nothing will ever become of it. That's not what God wants. He wants you to make sure your calling and your election is sure. How are you sure about that? Through this book. That's, that's the only insight we have. Do you know without the Bible, you and I would not know how to be saved? We're studying some fun stuff on Sunday nights about how God has used different ways through different people's groups, through history all over the world. But hey, just that kind of knowing that there was kind of something else out there didn't save any of those people. It was until God showed up, gave them scripture, gave them a preacher, that that's how it worked. Hey, I'm afraid that in the United States of America, modern day Christianity, that the church is full of people that are lost. He, Steve read that scripture this morning, or that, that statistic this morning, 4 and 10. 4 and 10 abortions are for people that are, quote, Christians. I'm not saying they're not. I'm just saying they should really think. They should really make their calling an election sure. 90% of people haven't read their Bible. That's a tough statistic to take. If you've been saved for 30 years and nothing's changed, that's, that's some tough that's some tough. Stuff statistics, isn't it? That's what, that's what Peter's saying. 
Give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. Well, I could just leave you right there, and that would be a sad, sad message, wouldn't it? That, that would be a sad message. Hey, some preachers could even twist this into saying that if you fall, you're not saved. I've heard them do that. Hey, what, what did Jesus say that when you fall? Get back up. Hey, when... Program... <laughs> <clears throat> that when that help of fallen and can't get up commercial comes on TV. Such a sad commercial, and my kids laugh every time it comes on. They say, that's what Grandpa says. I don't know what they say. <laughs> help, I've fallen and I can't get up. <laughs> that commercial, the sad one, my kids all laugh. <clears throat> but what, have, what has that person done? They have fallen... The commercial ought to say this, help, I've fallen and I give up. That's what the commercial ought to say. Help, I've fallen and I give up. How many Christians help, I've fallen and I give up? Isn't that that the case? Isn't that true? Hey, if you do your diligence to make sure your calling and election is sure, hey, you'll never fall and stay down. You'll never fall and say, help, I've fallen and I give up. You know, there's an old saying that God will not put, you on, put more on you than what you can bear. That's the truth. How many of you have gone through the valley, and when you're down in the valley, you just look around and go, ain't this a fine mess? What is that? You've fallen. You're down in the valley. How many of you have ever stayed in the valley for like ever? Christians don't do that. I look back at the valleys I've been in life. Hey, some of them lasted, some of them have have lasted for years. But guess what? I'm not looking at the ground thinking, I guess I'll just call this home, be easy digging, I guess. No, I'm I'm looking to get out of the valley. Hey, I'm looking to get up. I'm looking to get on with life. Hey, I'm looking to add to my faith knowledge, temperance, patience. I I want to continue to add all this stuff. If I don't want to add all that stuff, where where do I stay? Stay in the valley. I've fallen. That's a bad sign. The bad sign is this, when you're no longer convicted by sin. That's a bad sign or when you're not convicted by sin. Hey, here, here's a bad sign. When you don't look up the hill, when, when you don't look at what God has coming for you, do you know what a trip to the valley will mean sometimes when, you know what I'm talking about, a trip to the valley? It means when life starts pounding and hammering on you. Do you know what you do in the valley? You get water while you're in the valley. You might pick some flowers while you're in the valley, something that doesn't grow up on the hillsides. And you take that up the hill, and you've got that to remind you of your trip down in the valley. Get a bucket of water, pick some flowers. Turnips grow real well in the valley if you like turnips. 
hey, take those up the hill with you so that the next time when you're going down the hill and you see yourself going down in the valley again, you'll think, at least I can get some water while I'm down there. At least I can get some turnips, some flowers. Hey, when you look at the down trip in life, God has a reason for it. Why did I say that I feel like I have failed? Because I see this out of our church, and I have seen this over the last four years. That people will come here, get saved, and just, just start to sprout. And what happens? The enemy comes and plucks them out. And I, I see it. I see it. And I just want to run up and grab them and say, careful. And I've told many of you, I don't want to be the buggy preacher. But guess what? I, your new preacher is now buggy because I won't let it happen anymore. I've seen it. I've witnessed it. Talk to this person. Well, this is going on and this is going on and this is going on. Talk to this person. Well, we're going through this and we're going through that and we're going through this and we're going through that. Well, where have they been? What's going on? It's the enemy attacking. It is nothing more than... How many of you have been under attack since you've been coming here? All of us. We all have. I guarantee it. We've all been under attack. We've all been down in the valley. Some of us might just be a plateau or a little ditch or whatever, but sometimes we get down in the bottom and in the dirt and the mud and the slop. And You know what runs down in the valley? Everybody else's junk. That's how you know you're down in the valley. You could take a drink out of that river out there, if you don't believe me. That's where all the junk goes, down the valley. And we will get put sometimes down in the valley by the Lord. What? Yep. Sometimes he will place us down in the valley so that we look up the hill, so that we've got a bucket of water for somebody else, so that we've got some flowers and some turnips and some greens, something to eat on. So in 2018, you are now going to have a buggy preacher because I have seen it, I've witnessed it, and I have done something that my wife hates, hates, hates about me, is this. You ready for it? I'm going to reveal what my wife hates about me. <clears throat> is when I say, oh, I should have. When the word should have comes out of my mouth, my wife, she wants to slap me. <laughs> and, and I have said that a lot in the last four years. I should have. I should have. I should have. And in the last couple months, I've said, I should have. And she says, stop it. I hate it when you say that. So, hey, what we're going to do from now on is we're, I am not going to lack these things. What are these things that I lack? I lack virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and charity. I don't mean to lack them, but I do. I'm no longer going to lack these things. I'm going to be... What do they call it? Counteractive? I'm going to be proactive. I'm not going to let the enemy attack. He's going to attack. I'm just not going to let him win. You know, I look back at when we started this church 
And uh, I, I, I didn't write it down. I think Steve-O put it on Facebook, I think, or something. I had a comment that said, sometimes, um, man, I wish I could remember it was really witty, like opponents, opposition. Sometimes opposition is confirmation of God's will. Is that it? I think that's it. Uh, uh, yeah, well, how'd that go again? Opposition, sometimes opposition is confirmation of God's will. How many of you have had opposition? Have you ever had opposition? Do you just throw the flag up and walk away? I, I Sometimes I feel like that's what I do. I get the flag about right here, and I'm like, not yet. Why do you even have the flag in your hand? Good question, isn't it? If God is on your side... You shouldn't even have a white flag in the army. You shouldn't have it. Get the flag away. I was talking to the same person. I said, do you know why? This is amazing. How many of you have trouble coming to church like almost every week? Like there's something, there's some kind of something pulling you away. I don't care what it is. Has anybody experienced that? There's something every week. Something's trying to get you pulled away. Do you want me to tell you a little secret that I learned the hard way? Do you know why that is? Because the white flag is in your hand. Hey, if, if somebody's, if, if this army's fighting this army and they hear the general calling for the guy with the white flag, what are you going to do? Are you going to be like, oh, we better stop, we better ease up, better give them a break. Is that what you're going to do? No, you're full-fledged attack, it's on. We got them on the run. Do, do you know what Satan does to a lot of people on Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights? They see the white flag in the hand. They might wait to... <clears throat> my wife and I, this is a true story. My wife and I have had a knockdown drag out on the way to church. Not lately, <laughs> in the past. Knockdown drag out on the way to church and passed the church entrance up. Went into town, turned around, passed it up the second time because we were still duking it out and went home. Now, how many of you would be as honest to say that's ever happened to you? Or been getting ready for church and something come up? And nope. Hey, we have had family come and stay with us, and because they didn't want to go to church, we didn't go to church. What is that? That's, you got the white flag there. And you want me to tell you how to end that? We're going. The white flag is no longer in our hand. Do you know how in the last Four years, actually it's in the last 10 years, 15 years. In the last 12, 15 years, do you know how many times we've had trouble getting to church? Less than a dozen. <laughs> we might bicker and fight on the way there a little bit. We, we put on the fake smiles and come in like the rest of you. <laughs> but you know what? That even ceases. Those incidents even come down because we threw the flag away. We're not going to let him win. And I think so many times the flag is in your hand and the enemy sees it and he's like, I'm, I'm attack, full-fledged on. And it doesn't even just have to be about church attendance. February 15th, is that when it is? Something-ish? 15th? February, February 15th. We're going to take the unofficial church van 
to Louisville. And we are going to tell people how to be saved. Now I'm going to warn you. Plan on going. And plan on the gates of hell being against you that day. Worse than church. Worse than going to church. And you're already thinking, well, you ain't talking to me. Oh, yes, I am. <laughs> yes, I am. Because it will be, I promise you, if you've never done anything like that, it will be the best thing you've ever done in your life. So, tell the boss, February 15th, it's a Thursday, I'm taking off that day. I'm going with my preacher. And he says I have to. I hope we, I hope we have to, like pull a stock trailer behind the van because there's because you guys need somewhere to sit we'll set some lawn chairs up in it and we'll all go but hey i i promise you that it will change your life forever and some of you's already thinking i ain't going <laughs> it sounds too sounds too committed sounds too scary sounds too uh-uh, i'm not going there will be a fight between now and then if you if you decide hey i'm going i'm going to do this and if you decide now It'll be hell unleashed on you between now and February 15th. And if you think I'm kidding, just try it. You're like, what kind of weird challenge is that? <laughs> oh, look at this, verse number 11, and we're out of here. I know we've been all over the place, forgive me. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I kind of let it slip last week. I couldn't help it. When I said that when I get to heaven, I hope I hear, well done, now good and faithful servant. Hey, what is that? That's an entrance that I want ministered unto me when I get to heaven. That's what I want. When I get to heaven, I want an entrance ministered unto me when I meet my Lord and Savior because I've done well. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought what it would be like when you get to heaven and you meet Jesus face to face, what that will be like? There's a song about it that it's awesome. I wish somebody would sing it that could sing. But have you ever really imagined what it will be like when you, just, when you see Jesus face to face? Hey, if you've done these things, if you've made your calling and election sure, if, if you've forgotten about your old sins that were purged, if you can see God's hand moving and working through your life, if you've added to your faith, knowledge, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, temperance, if you've added all of those things to your life, so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly. That's what I want. That's what I want. That's what lost Hollywood people want when they go to an award show, isn't it? I'm going to go make an entrance. How many Christians think about going to heaven and making an entrance? Have you ever thought about that? Hey, I want to make an entrance. Not for my glory, so that I please my heavenly Father. I want to make an entrance. I don't want to like, uh-oh. wonder what he's going to say to me. Have you ever thought about that? What your entrance to heaven will be like? Will you be like, Hey, like sneak in, like hope, maybe if I walk in behind him, he'll, hi, 
what, what kind of entrance will you make? Hey, I want to make an entrance. I, I, check that out. That, that'd be a good memory verse. Paula, you're the only ones that used to do those. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I want to make an entrance abundantly to the kingdom of heaven. Very good. Let's pray and get out of here. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us, Lord. I, I pray that this list that we are to add to ourselves, Lord, I, I pray that we would all take notice of that and that each and every one of us would add these things to our, our faith. And Lord, I pray that this uh, grace and peace that's been promised would be multiplied out to us. And Lord, I pray that the attacks from the enemy, we, we know that they'll not go away. But Lord, I pray that our white flag of retreat, our white flag of give up would just be tossed in the trash and we'd no longer give in to him and put our trust in you. Lord, full steam ahead, charge hell with a squirt gun. And Lord, make your will part of our will in our lives. Lord, I pray that if there's someone in here this morning, we, <clears throat> Lord, we've, we've talked about making an entrance into heaven, but Lord, if there's someone in here this morning, we, we've so reached out to them. We're so glad that they're here, but Lord, if they're lost, I pray that they would right now listen and understand that the only way we can get to heaven is through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's nothing that we've done. It's everything that you've done. And Lord, that that would be sure in our hearts, that our calling and election would be sure. Lord, that we would focus on that intently. And Lord, that would be the most important question we'd ever be asked. Lord, I pray that you do that. And if there's someone here this morning that's not saved, Lord, the Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I pray that they would not keep that secret, that they would let it be known. And Lord, for the rest of us Christians in here this morning, Lord, I pray that you would uh, put a hedge of protection around each and every one of us. We know that the enemy is going to attack. Uh, Lord, we've seen that all through Scripture. And Lord, I just pray that you would uh, uh, lift us up with your grace and truth and that you would encourage us, Lord, that you would help us in a time of need. And I just pray that you would uh, uh, use the trials. Lord, like Peter said, the trials of our faith are so precious. Lord, that 